Hello and welcome to Ain't So Black and White. I'm Richie Lyons. I'm Omarion Edwards. Let's get into it. So today, guys, we have a very special guest for you guys. Okay, as you guys probably all know, I am a science student. I'm a BISC major, and I work in a research lab. And in my research lab, we have a lab tech, and her name is Nadia. Introduce yourself, Nadia. Okay. Tell us about yourself. All right. Well, I don't know what you guys want to know about me, but hi, guys. Uh, my name is Nadia. For the Muslims listening out there, salamu alaikum. For the non-Muslims, that means may peace be upon you all, and I do wish that for all of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I work as a lab tech here with Aman. We work with Dr. Hearing. And we do research on, um, oh my God, sorry, I had a brain. So I actually did a research actually before an undergrad with a different professor. And oftentimes I just mix up the two. Yeah, I get the two things mixed up. And I'm like, yeah, I do research. I'm like, actually, no, that was before. But anyways, I did go to undergrad here at Marquette. I study biomed and Arabic. And right now I graduated. We won't get into my whole life story about that. But right now I'm taking a gap year before I pursue something else in the healthcare field just to help out preferably the Muslim population because I really do think more representation needs to be there. And I also on the side study under uh, Sheikh Orstad Amir Hamza, who is at the Islamic Society of Milwaukee. And I study multiple disciplinary Islamic disciplinaries under him. So that's kind of what I do on the side. A lot of youth work with them, especially towards women. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So I I really been wanting to like go into this topic because, okay. but I didn't want to like uh like ask it to you in lab because I wanted to save it. But first <laughs> off, yeah, yeah, save it for the podcast. But first off, I want to ask, what well, where are you from? Like, were you born in America or no? Really? No, I was born in Faisalabad, Pakistan, and I grew up there for three long years and then I moved to America actually the year after 9-11 happened and that was actually we lived in New York City it was a very interesting transition my father actually lived in um in New York the year it happened he actually witnessed it he actually helped people with it and then we've had discussions on it and he's just said that it's very interesting the transition of Islamophobia pre-9-11 to post-9-11 but then I also lived in Oklahoma City, and I grew up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin for most of my life. And like like I mentioned earlier, I went I went to Marquette in Milwaukee, and now I'm back. Bro, yeah. that must have been something. Your dad being in New York during the time of 9/11 did did does he talk about like a lot of times where he experienced discrimination or? What? No, he actually doesn't. So one thing about at least in Desi culture, uh, FYI, Desi stands for Pakistan, Indians, and anyone from Bangladesh. And it's just something in our culture just not to talk about our emotions or our past traumas, which is something that is heartbreaking because considering the effects of colonialism and a bunch of other things that happened to us, we do need to talk about it. Our mental health is definitely something I'm very concerned about. And with my father, he never really talked about anything and he still doesn't because to him, it's like, I'm not a snowflake. I don't need to talk about my feelings. So he really doesn't talk about his early childhood. I really don't know much about him, which is really crazy. Wait, is he is he like actively in your life? Yes, he is. Really? Yeah. And you don't know much about him? Um, Not his early childhood. No, I don't. Same thing with my mom. They just don't talk about it. It's not very common. If if they if you ask about it, will they just say I won't talk about it? Or? They'll just say we don't want to burden you with our struggles. Really? Yeah. 
Do they think that they'll like make you like a probably mental? Because um, I feel like learning about slavery for me like really put me like I feel like before I learned about slavery I was like this innocent child, mm-hmm. but like once I learned about slavery, it put this like burden on me and like kind of changed my view. Mm. Do you think that I think that is I the same way? I don't know why it is. I actually do think it's a form of protection, kind of like you're saying, not to burden me, because I am definitely someone, and they know this about me, I'm very empathetic, and when, if someone's in pain, I will feel that pain, and one of the main reasons why they moved to the United States is because they didn't want me to struggle the way they did, and it's actually true, I don't struggle the way that they do, but the disconnect I realized with my parents and other um first or second generation Muslims that are living in America is that we have different struggles than our parents did. Mm-hmm. But sometimes our parents, like, because it's not, it might not be so, it might not be manifested in the same way that they experienced it. They don't count it as a struggle. Like uh. for my dad, I know some things about him. Like he was at a point where he was getting like food from garbage and like scavenging for things mm-hmm. like that. Um, it was very rough for him. And he had multiple siblings and his father couldn't work his mom couldn't work so he was providing for them I don't have to struggle like that and I'm very fortunate in that way but I have other issues where being a brown Muslim woman in America it's very different Um, for me even wearing something like a hijab it's Mm -hmm. a huge like difference rather than if I was in Pakistan yeah I was I was gonna say that how how what are some of the since it's women's months god you know we wanted to kick <laughs> off our you're actually you're actually our first um female um guest that we've ever that's not ever, entirely true wait, 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 our moms wait. Were on. i'm talking about <laughs> single guests I'm the okay first yeah, yeah, yeah our moms was on but like his dad and my stepdad was here like you're the first like single oh guest i see i said <laughs> wait what? okay got it yeah you're the first like single. <laughs> well i'm honored thank you for having me yeah i mean what other what better way to start off women's month and I was going to ask, how do you think or do you think it's been like like harder for you to which which part do you think has been harder growing up in the U.S.? Being a woman or being a Muslim? Huh, being a Muslim. 100 yeah. percent being a Muslim. Why, why would you say that? Over because I mean, OK, think about it. I'm just going to give a very simple example. Mm-hmm. What are our holiday breaks surrounded by? Christian holidays. Christian holidays. Easter. Christmas. For me, when I want to celebrate Eid, which is uh, like there's two Eids um, and that's after Ramadan, I have to take off school and make up all the work. And it's like me practicing my religion is a constant burden. Like Muslims have to pray five times a day. I have to specifically ask for at work or if I'm at school, like, hey, I have to pray in this time period. I have to leave class and I still have to make work. So accommodations, people do make accommodations, but it's really tough because I have to work around stuff that other people don't. Whereas many Christians, they can celebrate Christmas without worrying about having to make up for work. But I have to worry about making up things for e- like work for when it comes to celebrating either Ramadan. So it's a little tough. Um, other parts is obviously like the racist comments you'll get. And it can be microaggressions too. I mean, I'll get people coming up to me saying, you know, you don't have to wear that thing anymore. You're in America. You're free. And in the back of my mind, I said, it's so interesting how at least Western feminism, it's always about, yeah, women's choice, but it's what we choose for you, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I choose to wear this scarf. This is my profession of my faith and my love for God, and I'm very proud to wear it. And I seriously peeves me when people tell me I don't have to wear it. I know I don't have to. I choose to wear it, and it's great, and I love it. 
Yeah, I, that's that's um, I I heard you make this point about feminism when we were in um the lab Valentine party, and it kind of it, it 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 was great time, guys. Uh, <laughs> it was great, uh, and wonderful made, book. <laughs> oh, go yeah, ahead. Nadia made some great cupcakes. Oh, speaking of that. Today is my birthday, guys. Happy. I don't mean to self-shout out. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say that to the end. <laughs> oh, but today's my birthday, and Nadia made me a cake, guys. It's in my refrigerator. I'm go- I've ate, like, two, three pieces I'm already honored. today. And it was amazing, guys. I'm honored. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, going off of the feminism thing, because mm-hmm. um, I noticed that you made a point about feminism that, like, the feminism today just kind of, like, wants to – choose what they want for you mm-hmm. such as like you know less clothes and stuff like that I, I just wanted you to probably expound on that and how you feel about that I just think it's annoying I mean one thing a lot of people probably don't think about is that for me to dress modestly it's way more expensive mm-hmm. and why do I have to spend way more money to dress the way that I feel more comfortable to I don't want to show my body um, and that's a personal choice but I feel like I'm kind of being scrutinized for it I mean People kind of think I'm a little prudish at points, but at the same time, what's wrong with that? I think, at least coming from my religious background, there's virtue in modesty. And I'm not going to look at someone who wears more or less clothes or covers more or less than I do in a different way. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is what's in their heart and the way that they interact with me and other people. But at the same time, it gets so frustrating when... I feel like my, or sorry, the hijab has become so politicized. Yeah. One thing I remember seeing around election time to promote diversity is I'll see this image of a Muslim woman wearing the American flag as her hijab. Wow. That irritates me because hijab is not something that a country owns. And a hijab, like being Muslim is not, something that you have to be in a certain country or certain ethnicity or whatever it's from it's your decree of love for god and no country can own that so when i see my hijab becoming politicized it gets so infuriating because it's like that's my faith and that's my religion and people are tampering with it and trying to make it something that it's not so yeah i sort of want to ask about uh, (laughs) we talked about a couple of weeks ago about how you know every like political figure in america is christian they always talk about their christianity uh the presidents when they're giving speech they mm-hmm. always say oh you know uh have faith in god mm-hmm. and uh pray for them and but they're always talking about christianity does mm-hmm. that annoy you think you have you been seeing any change with less christianity in the government and listen I actually think Christianity is a beautiful religion, and I'm not going to sit here and bash on my Christian brothers and sisters, nor anyone that follows that faith. However, what does irritate me is that when there's people like Rashida Talib on board or Ilhan Omar, and there's people specifically from more of the right side that criticize them because they are Muslim, and Ilhan Omar, like, she gets death threats on a daily basis. And part of it, and people deny this, is because she is, in essence, the very thing I personally think the GOP is kind of afraid of. But we're going to leave it at that. Um, Grand old party. Yeah, it's a little, it's very interesting just the way I see those women being treated, especially Ilhan. I mean, she publicly wears a hijab. And I think, if I remember this right, when she was elected, they had a 
oh, I can't remember. There was something about a law about like, you can't wear hats inside, and like they had to change that for her. And people like were kind of uproaring. Or there was another thing that she didn't swear on the Bible when she was sworn, and she swore on the Quran. And people are like, you have to swear on the Bible. And then I can't remember which newscast it was on, but they're like, sounds she, like seeing it. I mean, no, it was like Fox. Fox. Yeah, it might be, <laughs> but then <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> no, she can. I mean, it's a profession of her faith. Like I, mm -hmm. there's parts of the Bible I believe, sure, but I'm not going to swear on it because that is not my main belief system. It mm -hmm. is the Quran, and if I were to be sworn in office, which God forbid I was, because I cannot work in politics, <laughs> I don't have the patience for it. I'm going to be swearing on the Quran, but. It's so interesting where it just seems like practicing our faith just seems like a struggle. Um, I do believe that I, w I wish Americans would admit that Christianity is very integrated in the government. And it's not so much of a separation as church and state as people claim to be. It's not. Um, and honestly, it's okay if it's not. You have to like you have to just admit that it's there, but it becomes an issue when there's other minorities, like there's Muslims living here, there's Jewish people living here, there's Hindus, there's so many different faiths living here that the government kind of needs to recognize that and it needs to be more representat representative of the people they're supposed to represent. Do you think there's a place for religion in government? Do you think like we should say in God we trust on our money, have one nation under God and the pledge. Like, wait, let me stop you. Let me stop. Richie's an atheist. Yeah, me. I'm not. Oh, I know. I'm not a Christian. Yeah, I know. I was raised um, Catholic. Though. <laughs> I was raised Catholic. Well, we can have our argument against atheism <laughs> later. Um, I actually do want to get into that, but keep okay, going. <laughs> we're gonna get into too much. We're gonna see how long this goes. But <laughs> go I don't see an issue with that. I mean, yes, the God in Sorry, I'm on, but I don't agree in the Christian version of God where it's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I don't agree with Not that. Not all Christians believe that. I know, I know. It's a, ma but it's it's a, major, a major, yeah. It's a major Christian Ma Many people believe that, but I don't believe that. I personally just believe that Jesus was just another prophet. He was a man. He was given um, divine just revelations, yeah. but... He was born a virgin of Mary. Yeah, yeah, it's in the Quran. Yeah, so the thing is, it's like, I don't see why people throw hands, essentially, when it says, like, in God we trust. I mean... Yes, I trust God, period. That's fine. I don't have an issue with it. Even if it's a Christian-led thing, in my heart, I believe that this is the Islamic, like, monotheistic God. Okay. I'll, I don't want to talk entirely about these controversial issues. We also want to talk about culture. And so, I don't know a lot about Pakistani culture. I mean... Wait, we, I, I was going to mention this. So, okay. Um, yeah, we can, we can go into the culture thing. But the first thing I was going to mention is this is what I was saying that you'll be happy for me. About. Okay. <laughs> so in my international politics class, um, I was having to watch um, just like right before I came here, um, like documentaries about the um, India-Pakistan co conflict. And it was so interesting that you mentioned um, that you're from Pakistan and then you got family from, from Bangladesh, now Bangladesh, which used to. Oh, wait. Mm -hmm. What did you say about Bangladesh? Um. I said that oh. when you refer to someone who is called Desi, it refers ah. to people from oh, yeah. the uh, areas of Pakistan, India, and Bangladesh. Okay. I might have relatives there. I don't know. <laughs> well, oh. <laughs> I could. But, oh, sorry for this. It's okay. But, but yeah, and I was I was just learning about that. And um, what's the little small area called? Kamush? Jammu? Kashmir. Kashmir. Yeah. And, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I was going to also ask, did your, did your parents, this is what led to the question, is did your parents come to America did, because they lived close to Kashmir or did they? No, my parents came to America because they believed in the American dream that is dead. Sorry, I had to have them parentheses. 
sorry. Okay. Um, but no, it wasn't as far as I'm concerned or my knowledge. They came here because they wanted their children to have futures and be able to work and not be in Pakistan where it's a little more difficult and the um, culture is a little different over there in terms of a lot of things actually. But. So I always hear about uh, Women's Month, guys. I'll, excuse me, sorry. <laughs> I always hear about um, Women's Month, over, uh, Women's Month. I mean, Pakistan women. Dang, I'm stuttering. It's okay. And how they're, they're um, you know, less... Uh, what's the word less privileged as the western woman and because <laughs> i i don't know much about how what it's like to be a woman in pakistan hmm. and i know like in muslim I, I think it's like a thing where a woman can't go out without a man or something like that what i have no idea so <laughs> please educate me on that i can but the one thing i'm gonna say is that I grew up in Pakistan for a very limited amount of time, so mm -hmm. I actually don't think it's a good idea to ask me because I can't do it justice. Was I lived there for a short amount of time and I was very young, mm -hmm. and you'd have a better time asking someone who lived there. But what I can say is that, yes, in some, and actually many Islamic countries or quote unquote Islamically led countries, I'm putting, I'm doing air quotes right now. Because I personally, when I look at the modern day governments that are on here, none of them embody what Islam truly represents. Um, I can get on that side tangent later. But yes, it is a ruling for women's safety that it's better for her to travel with a man who is related to her. It's called her mehram. Typically, that is her father, her husband, her brother. And it's not because she's being oppressed. It's actually just for her safety. And I'm sure, at least I'm a woman, I do feel safer if I am with a guy because I know if, God forbid, something were to happen to me, a guy is probably more likely to defend me more than I can defend myself. Unfortunately, that is just the way of the world. Oh, the feminist. Uh, the liberal feminists. Because I also learned that there are different types of feminists. I did yeah. not know that until like a few weeks ago. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, okay. So I want to... <laughs> I want to learn some about the traditions and cultures of Pakistan because we learned a little bit about Indian culture. I know mm -hmm. they're close by, but close by. I feel like it's definitely it's very similar. A lot of difference. It's very similar. I mean, what what do you want to know? Because it's such a hard topic for me just to get into. What are some like traditions? Like, what are your favorite traditions? I feel like, for example, so, so one of the <laughs> I was things, like, I need help here, yeah, guys. <laughs> I'll give you up. So for one example, Avi, Avi, when he was on, he told us about this tradition where everyone wears white. And then they throw the colors and stuff on oh, each other. Oh, holy? Uh, yeah, I yeah. think it's called holy. And then the uh, celebration of color. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do does Pakistan have like any traditions like that? Like you know, like 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 especially like a lot of times it's tied to religions. Like for example, like the Catholics just did. I the, see. Uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, during Ramadan, I mean, people tend to work a little less. Everyone's fasting um, from sunrise to sunset. Yes, we can't even drink water. Just to get that clarified for everybody. Mm -hmm. And at the end, there is a celebration called Eid, and that's when people are off. Everyone's celebrating. They're wearing these beautiful clothes. And then we actually sacrifice goats or whatever that we have, and we feed the poor with it. Um, so that is one tradition that we have, and that is more religious-based. Um, yeah. <laughs> Man. I was going to say, how how have you held on to your uh, to your faith? Because so I just became a Christian Actually, a year ago, yeah, right? 
just like a year ago. Welcome, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and before that, I probably wouldn't have told nobody this, but I was I was very atheist atheist minded. And mm-hmm. and and still every now and then I might, you know, tend to lead in that way depending on how I'm feeling that morning, you know? But but my question is <laughs> But my question is how how have you held on to your faith knowing that you're like in a science? Well, you went to college. You mm. went through college so you think religion and science clash against each other no so i was watching do you know neil degrasse tyson i do so he did like this thing and uh, like a poll and seven percent i do not think religion and science crash clash i i I watched the um apologetics videos like all day long i just (laughs) i just watched uh, i can't remember the muslim guy name but he did a debate against like alex o'connor he's like a famous youtube uh uh, atheist's name is Cosmic Skeptic on YouTube. He's, okay, I like I like watching atheists, but but, <laughs> okay. but but my question is, um, how have you held on to your faith considering that you went through like college in like a science based? Uh, um, so it's very curriculum. interesting. I think the more I study science, the more I believe in God. That's actually the basic answer I can give you. You know, I, <laughs> that's I the I basic actually, answer I can give you. I actually have the same view like i have mm-hmm. the same view the more the more i'm in class the more like for example in my anatomy lab and where we're dissecting bodies and i'm figuring out how how i'm sorry guys i don't mean to bring up the you know the uh intelligent design um <laughs> argument but but it just like it kind of pushes you towards that way when you look at how uh how designed it is and then you mm-hmm. know atheists was obviously bring in flaws and stuff like that how 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 do you go against atheism? Like what what are like what what are things that like keep you away from it? Because I feel like like obviously we all well I don't know about you but like sometimes you know I I doubt whether I believe what I believe like I don't even know what I believe what I believe sometimes. So there's multiple ways I can go about this. If we want to go the scientific angle, we can. If we want to go to the moral angle, we can. If we want to go to the conscientious angle angle, we can. Y'all pick um, because these are very long arguments. Um, I guess I'll start off with the more science-based stuff. So, yeah, I study science. And the one thing I love about my religion is that the first word that was discovered to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, it was the word ikra. Ikra means to read, recite. And from that, we're told the first words of revelation in Islam, we're actually told to read in the name of our Lord, who has created man, who has created the pen. And it basically it just shows that Islam actually tells us to go out and explore the world. In the Quran, when you read multiple passages, God's telling us, like, do you not look at the sky? Do you not look at the animals? Do you not look at this? He's literally telling us to go explore. I think that's, I think yeah. that's, um, sorry to cut you <laughs> it's off. It's okay. But in Deuteronomy, in the, in the book of Deuteronomy, um, mm-hmm. it, the, it, it talks about when you look in the sky and see the stars, do not mm-hmm. be enticed to bow down and start worshiping them. Oh, interesting. For the Lord has made these things. That's beautiful. I, wow, I, know. I didn't know that was in there. Yeah, it's in Deuteronomy, the Old Testament book. Yeah. So the thing is about Islam is that I, it has no issues with signs. Actually, there is some verses, which I am going to try to find it if I can. Um, there's a word, word called nutfa. Mm-hmm. in Arabic and at the time you have to keep in mind this is like thousands of years okay I'm gonna hundreds of years if I'm gonna be a little bit more yeah more like I'm um, trying to be 1400 um, years about 1400 years before I'm just thinking well 1400 years from now I'm just thinking of like when microscopes and everything's being developed and like developments of embryology yeah, yeah, yeah. so when we look at the Quranic verses there's actually verses talking about embryology mm-hmm. and now for me that was when I was like 
okay, hang on. How are these people who they live in the middle of a desert? How on earth are they going to find something about embryology? And to me, that is divine revelation because there's literally no way that they could find out stuff about that. And it talks about like a clinging clot in, um, what's a good translation? In a safe place, a.k.a. the mother's womb. Yeah. It talks about that in the Quran. And this is a book that's revealed about hundreds, 1400 years ago, and it's still relevant today, which I just find so fascinating. So for me, again, like I'm saying, atheism, I actually think it takes more faith to be an atheist ah, than to be a Muslim bro, or okay. to be a Christian or anything. I, I Personally, I do. Um, I, there's this guy named Frank Turk who does uh, something called cross-examined. Yeah. And one of his main things, he goes to a bunch of college campuses and his, his argument is i don't have enough faith to be an atheist hmm. and that and that's and that's a thing i don't i don't have enough faith to be an atheist like i think that's like the perfect line and to mm-hmm. like go off what you said about the quran knowing about the knitting in the womb in isaiah which is a book um you know d- dated scholars dated to be around well i think islam um i mean muslims i don't know if they i think i think they look on isaiah as somewhat um readable because, um, yeah, so Isaiah is dated 700 years before Jesus. Jesus is dated mm-hmm. 33 to die at 33 AD. So that means Isaiah is dated around 700 BC. Okay. And in Isaiah, it says, the Lord hangs the world on nothing. Hmm. And, and as we have seen it through NASA photos, mm-hmm. <laughs> if we look at it, the, the earth kind of just hangs there, though it's, you know. And gravity with the sun and all the other planets. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Wait, I want to hear Richie's comeback. Sorry, Richie's probably <laughs> yeah. like these religious people here. Ain't it? What's up, I don't bro? understand the how more. Th- I feel like to have believe in a religion, you have to have a lot of faith. Really? Compared to being atheist, like I don't know, I don't have faith in anything. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. It's not um to believe in a religion. Because mm-hmm. I feel like when people say, hey, are you religious? I feel like they, like, put me in a box and try to say, like, hey, man, you are just following rules because you think these rules are rules. No, it's because I, I we believe that there is a creator that created the heavens and the earth. And and the reason that we believe it isn't because we were raised this way. Well, mine isn't because I was raised this way. Mm-hmm. And I would say that she has definitely done her own work in apologetics to her Islamic religion to say that, we believe this because of the evidence. Yeah. The one thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Richie. No, ahead. I was just. <laughs> no, you can continue. No, no. I want to hear what you say because we're talking a lot. I yeah, want to hear your perspective. I was just going to say well. the the faith aspect and saying, "Oh, you're religious." Uh, that's not what I'm getting at when I ask somebody if they're religious. I think more, are you a practicing religion? Not that you just believe in God. It's just like, are you practicing, uh, or you have faith in that? But like. Me in my theology class, I had to take my my first year. Uh, he talked about faith and how if you lose that faith, you can't really get back in. Being religious, you need mm. to have faith in something because you can't ever fully prove there's a God. Mm, you are you sure? Unless I see God with my own eyes, I'm. There's do you nothing think that I can do prove? You, why? Hang do on, you think wait, wait, that, oh. Richie. Can I actually say something about that? Because I actually think that's bogus. Okay, you know why? Because when it comes to human intelligence, there are a couple ways we can get information, right? We can get it through our five senses, which was what you're saying, like unless you see God with your own eyes, right? Then there's something called um, 
oh my god I'm blanking on the word testimonials so if I was telling you like let's talk about Cleopatra did Cleopatra exist Richie Okay, I understand no. what you're getting at with this. No, but did I, she I, exist? I, I so understand he, so you fa- have faith in somebody else and uh, that's, their writing. And I just don't have... But you have to have faith in that person that they trust them. Exactly. So if there's someone... Like, for example, for the Prophet Muhammad, um, for us, the reason why I'm so convinced that he was a prophet is because before his prophethood, people in Arabia, he was known as Sadiq al-Amin. He was honest. He was trustworthy. He was never known to lie. And for him, I mean, I can go on to, like, proofs of his prophethood, but I'm going to pause myself before that. Thing is about testimonial knowledge, like you said, you have to trust the person you're getting that knowledge from, right? Yeah. And for me, when I'm listening to the testimonials of him, it's like, this makes sense. He was not known to be a liar. He was actually, in fact, an illiterate man. Um, He didn't know how to read or write. But yet he was reciting the Quran, which, if you guys read it, there is so many gems in there. How can someone illiterate be able to produce something that the Arabs at the time who poetry was like, poetry was their thing. That's how they got their news around. That's how they communicated. That was their political statement too. Arabs at that time, because normally, how do I, rap battles. Think about that. (laughs) So if he was, this is a really, God forgive me, this is um, inappropriate or not a kind thing to say. But just imagine the Prophet, he revealed something of the quran the people the poets of mecca they were too stunned they couldn't even say verses back they couldn't say anything back because they're like we're not even gonna attempt it this is something we can't even say and then the other part where people are like no maybe he was secretly literate there's another science of um, islam called hadith which is the sayings um, it's actually the transmissions of the sayings and the practices of the prophet the way that that is worded and the language used there is so different from the Quran. So if they were both theoretically coming from Muhammad, they would have to be pretty similar, but they're not. They're completely different. And that's why, to me, I'm just so... I get very passionate about this if you can't. I'm just so solidified on my faith in him being the last prophet and that there has to be a God. Um, and we can get into like other arguments why I do believe that God just has to exist. Um, if you want to, yeah, we've had a whole episode on that. Yeah, and no, I actually, I actually think it's like a, even better if we go into it now because we we have we have Nadia here. But my question, <laughs> I wanted to hear what Richie was about to say about. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, <laughs> no, Richie, okay. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> or were you talking about? It's not like you don't believe. What, what were you saying? What do you mean? Like I don't. You were saying uh, it's not like when I said um, we believe that there is a God. It's, what were you saying? I have no clue. <laughs> I believe you were saying something along the lines of when it comes to at least like testimonies and stuff, you have to trust the person. I think oh, that's yeah. where you start With getting a little weird. I don't have faith in any of those prophets. I don't have faith in Jesus. I don't mm-hmm. think anything says I don't have faith in the Bible or uh, any religious texts uh, from so long ago that's been translated a bunch of times. <laughs> and there's nothing that can really... <laughs> Man, me, I, like I'm the talking. points that Richie make, I, I, I like now I, I, I rewatched, listened to like our uh, religious episode, and I want to slap myself like a lot of times. But keep going, sorry. Because even with whatever you say, nothing's gonna make me believe. I just of can't course, game I'm, the faith, and I'm not gonna say I have faith in atheism. It's just I can't believe any of this. Mm. There's nothing. 
unless I see it with my own eyes or something like fully like mathematically prove it, even though I probably cannot actually understand the mathematics. I'm not that smart, so probably like nothing really that could prove that it exists to me. What do you believe, Reggie? What do you believe about the origins of the universe? Uh, I don't really know, and I don't. I don't really care to know, you know? Well, Richie, you know. know why I have an issue with that statement? Like, you can't believe anything with your own eyes? It's because mm-hmm. then how are you going to trust scientists that are saying that there's mitochondria in you? Or how are you going to trust people? Like, how can you trust that they are actually being honest about all that stuff? Because I think but, if you go into that, because this is something called naturalism, where you're only believing in your five senses, then literally all of this could be a stimulation, like a matrix or something. Well, I was saying trusting scholars. Mathematically prove it enough people read over mm. it because i mean i used to love science and like <laughs> used to oh, i still do it's just <laughs> that you're a, you're a science fair. i i used it's more that i just don't have time anymore uh to really read up on anything mm. but uh to get to what i was uh trying to say let Is me that people think. read over it yeah people read over the scientific uh process uh enough people peer review it you look at the numbers enough people agree on it and people who you can say are that proven about anything. you can say that about slavery enough people agreed upon it and peer reviewed it that they was like hey man this this is good stuff yeah but that's bring like, some more over on that boat social <laughs> yeah but, but that's not like richie can i just say uh, something we have that in islam when it comes to the transmissions of the sayings so it's called hadith is the transmissions of the what the prophet used to do sorry means like may peace be upon him in arabic and it's just something we're required to say as muslims to show him respect and i do it quite a bit so sometimes i forget to give that disclaimer anyways we have a very strict and rigorous way of getting those transmissions down the peer reviewing thing you're talking about they, I can't even tell you just how cutthroat they are. If someone had like slightly questionable characteristics and they're saying like, oh, the Prophet said this, they will just throw the whole thing out. They're like, we don't believe it. But it's also it has faith in the Prophet. So why are, what, what do you got against my Prophet, man? <laughs> <laughs> I try not to be disrespectful, but I'm going to say that <laughs> I can't trust, I wouldn't trust them. Like, I don't trust them as... I don't know. So is it it's just when they speak about God that you don't trust them? Because well, I, I can agree with you. There are many people that speak about God. Like Kenneth Copeland said something about God. I'm like, hold on. Yeah, but or like, Joe, wait up. I mean, or Joe Osteen. I'm just like, wait a minute. He said it? I'm going to use it for any prophet. I'm going to talk about Jesus because I grew up Catholic. So that's why I know the okay, most. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Muslims love Jesus too, by so, the way. FYI. Believe yeah. in anything <laughs> Jesus says. You have to have faith. In Jesus, that you trust him as a person, that mm. everything he saw, everything he did. No, not really. I, that that's that's false. So, for example, Jesus Jesus said a lot of stuff, or uh, has claimed to have said a lot of stuff, which we have from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're right. Um, mm. Matthew and Luke being the supposed only uh, apostles. Mark and John. I mean, Matthew and John. Mark and Luke being with Paul through his journey through Acts and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So, yeah, these are quotes from. So to believe in anything that Jesus said, Jesus spoke a lot of wisdom. I feel like people probably think that Jesus was like, hey, man, do this, do that, do this. Jesus, a lot of what Jesus spoke was in, in parables. So when you say like to believe in Jesus said, a lot of what he said was just like objective truths or objective morality truths where it was like. Okay, I can believe like if he has a wisdom or something that doesn't relate to other stuff like if he says like oh this 
uh, pencil can write stuff. Like, I'll believe that because I know a pencil can write stuff. But what I'm trying to say is if he says anything about God, any of these miracles, I cannot trust that. That's something, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody has that one friend that lies a lot yeah. that you could tell when they're lying because you're like, there's no way this actually happened. Mm-hmm. I would believe, like, Jesus, I don't trust anything you really said. I don't think, oh, that's mm, hmm. a little fishy in my eyes. My question is, um, what do you what do you think? Because obviously we're not trying to convert you because, you know, Paul says. Yeah, and, you uh, couldn't say anything to convert me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> of course not. No one no one has ever converted anyone. Uh, people may have falsely followed something. But like as Paul states in First uh, Corinthians, he says, I might plant the seed, Barnabas might come in water. But ultimately, it's God who gives the growth. So ultimately, mm. whatever we saying doesn't actually convert yeah. you. It's the Lord who changes your heart. But um, well, wait. I want. Master, you said the Lord changes your heart. Mm-hmm. We talked one time, and you said that we talked about free will because okay. I mentioned free will and saying, "Do you think you have free will? God makes every decision for you because everything's part of His plan." Wait, what? You mm-hmm. mentioned. I said, "Do you think like we can make decisions on our own, or it's like everything's part of God's plan?" Anything that happens is because of God. Okay. So, so now with me not being religious, is that part of God's plan? Like, Okay. So now we're getting into something called Calvinism versus Arminianism. Mm-hmm. We have the famous John Calvin and my boy, I can't remember his first name, Arminian. And so for, basically Calvinist believes that, that you can't act outside of God's free. I mean, of God's plan. I don't, I don't know if there's like a, a debate, a discussion about that in is, is Muslim. In but terms of what? In terms of free will versus... Oh, yeah, uh, there is. There, is that really? Yeah, there is. I, I didn't know that. So for us, we believe that, yeah, humans have free will. And that's why we are... Like, if you look at us versus animals, mm-hmm. we rational. are... We're more rational. We have that, and that is God's gift to us. Whereas we also believe in angels, and we believe they do have a... Um, they have their own, like, likes and preferences, but overall, they actually don't have a free will. They just worship God. That's what they were designed to do. What makes humans more special is that they get the choice to worship God or not. Mm -hmm. That is our test when we're in this world. And we believe that every human does have a free will. Now, to kind of get into, we do have a belief that, yes, God knows everything. He knows what's happened in the past. He knows what's happening right now. He knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows that I'm sitting here right now being a very practicing Muslim and my friend Richie here is like, nah, bro, I don't believe that. Which is like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> here to convert everyone. No, I'm not. That is not my goal. But here's the thing is that what we believe is that God is not going to change the hearts of a person that doesn't want to believe. If they're not going to believe in the first place, that he's not even going to change your heart. It's something that you're going to want from the inside and then he'll lead you to the change to do that. So it's something that it's a dynamic thing. There's something in Islam, like when we refer to God, there's different words because English. I'm sorry. It's such a boring language, y'all. Like it's so (laughs) boring. Um, There's an example because sometimes I think humans were very selfish. When Mm -hmm. we think of God, we're always thinking about what does God do for me? Yeah. What can we get? And that word actually, um, when we look at the word, it's called rub. Rab means a caretaker, someone who provides for you, someone who takes care of you. And that's typically the image that we have for God. But then in Islam, when we take, it's called the shahada, like our declaration of faith. We say, la ilaha. When you look at the word ilah, that means someone who is worthy of being worshipped, someone mm-hmm. that you need to worship. So mm-hmm. in other words, ilah encompasses 
what are you doing for God in terms of your worship? And that's why in the Shahada, we don't say the word Rabb, the caretaker. We say the word Ilah, which means someone who deserves and like demands basically your worship. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. So you're saying that God demands your worship? Yeah, you? absolutely. Wait, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I, I was just trying to clarify. I was yeah. saying like, then you bring in the argument like, oh, all these bad things. How could God let this happen? If this happens, then wouldn't you think a lot of people fall out of faith just because they're like, like he doesn't deserve my worship because all this stuff going on or I think how I, your life's been. Yeah, I think when people uh, try to bring in the. OK, so that that common problem is called the problem of pain. My boy C.S. Lewis got a whole book about it. It's great. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Um, the problem of pain is very like I could I could go for hours on, on the problem of pain, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll shorten it up. But to say that God let these evil things happen as an atheist, you must acknowledge that first there are things that you consider as evil, mm. right? So if you're an atheist and you don't believe there's no objective morality, you have no ground to stand on to call anything evil. You can just say it's life, right? You only have grounds to stand on to call something evil if you believe that there is an objective morality because you can't use your subject of morality cause something evil because what's evil here may not be evil there for example but you're the one calling it evil so yeah you're that. using subject no matter what but no. it can be different for people like place to place like what yeah. i can consider evil can be something that's good for someone yeah, else like eugenics for example like i'm obviously against it but hitler had no problem with it my girl margaret but i was talking either. about people losing faith because of this and people are going to make decisions subjectively based on what they have experienced of always. Course. And I, I think, um, I think that's a definitely hard part to get over when it, when it's like in your faith, that's, that's probably a hard thing. For example, um, and, um, Paul talks about this in Roman nine. He talks about, uh, how, how are we to overcome God's will? The one who saves and, and who doesn't, he talks about this like later in Romans nine. Mm-hmm. And then he will say, then some of you will say to me, well, then how can judge, God judge me. And then he said, shall the creation say to the one who made it that you don't have no power of me? And he said, who are you to shake your fist at God? So mm. so basically it's saying if if we believe there is a God and, and which is one hard thing to to deny, I'd say in today's. Well, at, from my point of view, I'd say it's a hard thing to deny. if we believe that there is a God. He is God. He created the universe. So why does my subjective personal opinion matter? out of all the billions of people that have lived when it comes to uh, things that he allows to happen. Because if it happens, I mean, the Lord knew it was going to happen. And the other part I just kind of want to add on, it's that often when we times about, and when I say this, I'm trying to say this as compassionately and empathetically as I can, because I personally am someone who has been through a lot of hardships. And I know that, and actually, the very interesting thing is that because of the hardships I went through, I became a lot closer to God. Mm-hmm. And it's because, here's the thing, before we put God on trial, one, we kind of have to look our, at ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's one. Number two, when we look at the problem of evil, we get very emotional about it. Yeah, but it's not a question do, of intelligence, though. That's the thing. It. It's yeah. like we get so emotional about it. But just like Aman said, that if you are going to say, like, this is wrong or this is, like, evil if we're looking at a place where god doesn't exist that we're all just biological accidents then who cares actually yeah like it doesn't matter we're just if if that is true then it doesn't matter what our rational subjective point i shouldn't care about killing animals i shouldn't care about raping babies Mm -hmm. i mean i do care guys but 
What I'm saying is if there is no higher being than us, that we're just a product of our environment's complete cosmic accidents, atoms just randomly floating around that, you know, kill other atoms and stop them from breathing, then it doesn't matter what laws or what where my money goes, who I pay taxes to, who I have sex with. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talked about the subjective evil. You come together as a society to determine that, and that's where laws come from. I mean, most laws well, don't come from the Bible. They I, come from I mean, they, agree. But I Richie, I you know what the problem? Bible. But the problem with that is that then it just becomes subjective. That who's to say that m- the way the laws that I created is better than the laws that you created? Like who's deciding that? No way, it's subjective. Exactly. But that's the issue: is that you cannot uphold subjective laws on other people because I can just be like, you know what? I think this is stupid. I'm gonna follow this instead, and this is what we're gonna do. And you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't hold people accountable to it at that at the end of the day. And there's people that break laws every single day. That and That's the point of laws, because there is a law, and when you break it, you are being held to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the government decides it, because it's subjective. It's so people here, deciding it. So here's my question. It. Okay, I think we're getting to the laws of morality, because yeah. I'm just going to say this. If God doesn't exist, morality cannot exist. The reason why I'm saying that is because if we're all just biological accidents, which I'm just using that phrase very loosely, because I don't believe that. If we're all just biological accidents, then there really is no object like who am i to say what's right or wrong like who am i to say that if i punched your throat right now that that's wrong like who cares we're biological accidents like we're gonna be like being eaten alive like by worms or something anyways like who cares i feel like people just agree on it just subjectively we keep talking about the subjective and who's to say that there's not through uh, natural selection, something in your brain that tells you to be compassionate for your own kind, for your own, uh, uh, what's it called, species. If we're going to look at it, natural selection is going to say do what's ever best for yourself, even if it means like being not, like honestly, if, I'm just going to say this, if I was an atheist, which I'm not, it would actually be so stupid of me to be nice and a good person. Yeah. It would make way more sense for me to do whatever I want, follow my desires, and go that way because no one is holding me accountable at the end of the day. Fun fact, Charles Darwin, he even agreed that morals are just an illusion at the end of the day. He himself has said this. You guys can look this up. Mm -hmm. And when you're following the track of atheism, I'm afraid you would have to admit this, that you can't have these laws of morality that you can hold other people accountable to sure like you can have a group of people like saying like yeah this is what we're going to agree upon but who's to say that their thinking is more rational or better than another group of people you can't i think the populace decides you think the what Popul- it's, a dem- it's a democracy when most people decide that to be true they can enforce it but who's to say that the population is in their right of mind to do so? I mean, look what happened okay, in Germany. You have people disagreeing with it all the time. It's not one thing. Not Nobody agrees on everything. Yeah. I mean, And that's the issue is that because we as humans, I think we have to be a little humble here. We don't have all the knowledge in the world. And it's okay to accept that there is a higher being who has more knowledge than us. And the laws that he has created is actually to benefit us. It's not to limitate us. And these laws are there to help us at the end of the day. Like these mora- morals are there. 
so but people can break those morals yeah. people yeah. can break those morals but that's where the concept of day of judgments there because in islam like uh, it's very interesting because sometimes we're mistaken to be a polytheistic religion and i think it comes from we have these things called the 99 attributes of god it's not like the only 99 there but it's 99 that it's um talked about one thing that people often forget is that when we talk about god like we actually start off each chapter in the quran except for one um in the name of god the most compassionate the most merciful um very loose translation but we're gonna go with it but when we look at the other ones there's also another one called um the most just meaning that people who have done horrible things in this world fine they can live a good life of luxury Mm. but at the day of judgment he's going to hold you accountable put you on the hot seat and that's why i believe that i mean that's where when we when when i see people suffering i honestly think i would be so depressed if i was an atheist because does that mean like I suffered for nothing, that these people aren't going to be held accountable, that true justice is not going to happen? I just feel like for me, it brings a lot of comfort knowing that my Lord sees that and there's going to be accountability for like maybe not in this world, but in the hereafter there will be. That's I um I agree with you. It's crazy. I agree with you too. Interesting. Ooh. Wait, what? Wait, I don't think he heard I agree, your sentence. No, I, with saying that you have more comfort and knowing oh, that there are judgment in that part, I agree with that. I was much happier when I was a Christian. Man, I, he's I, like, I, now I'm depressed. <laughs> not that, but no, I'm depressed. It's like a lot. It's comforting. We talked about this on one episode. It's hmm. comforting to have that religion, to have something to fall back on, to have faith in that. I don't think religion is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I never said I just don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll say this. Um, Poor Richie probably feels like he's being attacked right now. We're not yeah, attacking yeah. you. I'm we sorry. love no, you, Richie. I understand. I'm yeah. friends with him on. Like, <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's like, I'm not friends with this Nadia chick, though. <laughs> yeah, no. You're hey. never coming on again. <laughs> Banned from the show. I'm like, all right. Hey, the, I like, um, I love the, uh, I, I actually find it, I kind of find it, like, it kind of hurts my feeling a little bit when somebody, like, like calls religion, like, comforting. Really? But yeah, yeah. Cause I feel I feel like they try to use it in the way where they're just like, ah, you just believe that because you're scared to die and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's like it's just like I, cause that that's how a lot of people use it. Like a lot of people in the world, they're just like, ah, you only believe in God because you don't want to accept the fact that you're gonna die and become worm food. Of course, my body is. I believe that to be true. But um, the thing about it is, like, I I don't. I don't believe that there is a God to come for me. If anything, I hmm. try to, I, I, sometimes I go, I get in funks where I try to disprove God to myself. I, I try, but I'm yet to succeed. God, I get in funk. I get in funks because I, as, as the scriptures say, you know, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And, and as we know, I go to college, I'm a, I'm a male and a straight male at that. And it's just like, uh, it, it gets hard sometimes. And you just like, you try to disprove and justify your actions sometimes. And, and you just can't. And then just like sometimes where it's like I, I, I get in a funk or and then I'll like listen to a listen to like a sermon or something or mm. or I'll, I'll read like um, probably like one of my favorite books to read. Like when I'm feeling down is uh is Ecclesiastes. It was, it was written by Solomon, David, the son of David. And um and in the book of Ecclesiastes, it has so much wisdom in it. And it's just like Solomon is just like being humbled. He was like, I withheld my eyes from nothing. Anything that I ever wanted, I got it. Mm-hmm. But I came to realize that it was all in vain, that it all meant nothing. He said, he said, 
even a living dog is better than a dead lion. And, and to he kind of went off that to, you know, a lion is kind of at a higher position than a dog. But, you know, to live is to be a great thing. And he also states in, that, in Ecclesiastes that the same fate that overtakes a fool overtake the wise also. And it's just like, it's just so crazy, bro, that like me, I feel like the parts where I like drift drift off and get in my funks about uh, about like struggling with temptation, it's it's when I'm not reading, actually. I think it comes when I when I start to drift away and not read the Bible and stuff like that. Hmm. But um, maybe we should get your Quran and you can start reading that, too. <laughs> I actually I actually do read the Quran. Like which I, translation? I Sorry, I have to bring it up. Yeah, I have no idea what the name of the translation is, but I, I don't read it like actively. But a mm-hmm. lot of times I'm like, hmm, I wonder what the Quran says about this. Or I watch like a, ah, I can't. I think his name is like Al. I don't know his name, but I watch him on YouTube sometimes. And then also like a guy named X17 Politics on YouTube. He's a Christian, but he has a lot of Muslim friends, and they mm-hmm. always like talk and debate. And I mm-hmm. just find that stuff pretty cool. Yeah. Man. Man. <laughs> I, wait, 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 wait. Bro, we, we didn't win in so much of a tangent of um, off into this religious thing that I have I wanted to ask, like, yeah. um, what, what are your plans for the future? In terms of? Your life. My life. Oh, I'm putting me in the hot seat. That's fine. <laughs> so for the longest time, I actually thought I was going to be a doctor and I was going to go to med school and do it all. But then I realized I really want a family. And I actually have very clo- a very close friend. She's like my sister. And I spent a lot of time with her. And so this is really hard for me to talk about. But oh, I no, no, it's OK. I don't mind. I think it's important to be vulnerable because that's how other people open up and realize that they're not alone in the struggles that they're going through mm-hmm. is that my parents, because of how laser focused they were for me and my siblings to succeed, there were parts of their care that were neglected, mainly mm-hmm. the emotional and um, mental part of it. And I don't want to do that to my kids. I think mental health is so important and the way and to be present with your children, not just staring at your phone or like the television, but actually being there with your kids. That's something I realized I value. And I've talked to many people that were either going to med school or are doctors and all of them, especially the women, they're just saying that we had to let other people take care of like our, my children. Uh-huh. And for me, it's like, no, I want to raise my kids. Like, that's something I just don't think I can trust other people doing it the way that I would want it to be done. Maybe I'm a control freak. Who knows? So right now I did have a bit of a midlife crisis. I think I'm going to lean to going into nurse practicing, but I'm also doing a lot of religious studies on the side. Like I said, I study under um, Sheikh Hamir Hamza, who is from the Milwaukee community, actually. And I study different things from him. And I really, it's called being an alim. Mm-hmm. And these are people who study Islam in different aspects. I mean, there's different sciences in um, Islam that you can study. And that's something that I want to do also. Because the one thing I see that the Muslim world is lacking, which is so interesting because it used to be so, it was the opposite before colonization and westernization happened to our lands, is that, there's not enough women scholars out there, which mm-hmm. was very different from the beginning of when Islam was birthed. There were so many women out there who were contributing to um, the community. But thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Aman's next girlfriend's going to be his wife. <laughs> hey. He said that for the past two years now. Aman's <laughs> next girlfriend's going to be his wife. There's a, that is the plan. So the <laughs> there's an Arabic saying, um, it, it means in sh- it's all it's inshallah, which mm-hmm. 
which means God willing. But we use it kind of as a satire of like, like, inshallah, like, sure, why not? Yeah. Whatever you say, buddy. That's, that's kind of messed up. He but said about 20 girls ago. <laughs> not 20 girls ago, bro. It's been like, since I've known Richie, it's been like three. Richie, how much faith do you have in Amon right now? Oh, I got zero. <laughs> zero? If it makes you feel better, he has the same faith in you as he does in God. Yeah. Mm. So you're on the level of God. Amon has that. <laughs> That's horrible. No, no, no. Don't say that. That's horrible. <laughs> No, ah, no, 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 Richie, no. Richie, Richie, Richie. Man, it's, in it's, my heart. In my heart. You that's know? horrible. Man, I hope in 20 years I can look back at things and be like, man, this is. But I was going to say, hmm. um, you you mentioned like the women scholars thing. Is is the, is I meant to say not the women scholars thing, but the studying Islam thing. Is that word that, is it like kind of synonymous with the word like apologist? Because like, like in American terms. Apologist. Okay, so an apologist or someone who studies apologetics or an apologist, such as like a William Lane Craig or Mike Winger. Okay. Or that, that just means one who defends the faith. Or one, yeah. I want to study Islamic uh, sciences because it makes me a better person. I love my religion and I uh. feel like it makes me closer to God. So no, it's not because I want to prove my, here's the thing for me. It's oh, like, wait, it's wait, 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 wait. maybe we're ha- miscommunicating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my bad. That's my bad. Apologist isn't necessarily a person who like proves their religion to someone else. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of a, like they, they, uh, they study the evidence given and, and they're, and they try to be the most unbiased as they can. But but yeah but yeah it's one who defends the faith, but it's not like in a like argumentative manner. Although it can be. So I'm confused what you're asking. <laughs> I'm not gonna oh, lie. I'm Sorry. Saying, is that word that you use for the people who study the? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it's the same uh, because there are a lot of people that go into it because they genuinely believe that this is the faith and this is what um, God sent us here for. And there's a lot of um, blessings in studying faith in Islam, and it brings a lot of comfort and joy to the heart. And that's why a lot of people do that. And it brings me a lot of comfort. And I, honestly, like I am someone who has like, been, I'm diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, and depression. Mm-hmm. And I do, I believe in holistic therapy, meaning that go to a therapist, get your medication. But I also believe that a spirituality is a part of it too. And a part of that help, a major part actually that's helped me a lot is actually studying my religion and becoming closer to my prophet and his uh, and imitating his lifestyle and also just learning about the Quran. Because one misconception people have, I also want to clarify this, is that mm-hmm. when I talk about Prophet Muhammad, people tend to think like we think that he's like a divine person and like he's God. But we don't. We just believe he was the final prophet, along with people like Moses and Jesus and Adam and uh, Noah. Um, we believe in all of them. Same message that God is one. That, um, worship him alone. Abandon your idols stop being a bad person basically and muhammad just was the seal of all the prophets so that's what we believe as muslims um i'm forgetting where i'm going with this actually but anyways i worship god as one and muhammad is the person that has brought the quran down that the quran was revealed to and he gave that information to us i heard you mention depression yeah i have a friend who um who who deals severely with depression mm-hmm. and she she she's she's not religious but you know those people that are just like you know just like th- 
I don't even like using the word religious, but she's not like a, you know, an, a, a participating or what's what? Practicing. Practicing, practicing um, Christian, Catholic, Muslim, anything. But you know those people that like use God in sentences, but don't actually, you know, they just say it. Mm-hmm. They just be like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'll be praying or, or stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. She's like one of those people, but she like battles like terribly with depression. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have like any like, uh, I mean, and to the people out here that probably um, battle with depression. I know like on one of our social media episodes, my boy Richie revealed to the world that he also battled with depression. Hey, Richie, we're depressed together. Oh, you don't. Never mind. <laughs> no, I did not say that. Bro, yes, you did, bro. <laughs> no, I've dealt with, like, things that I don't have depression. I've dealt with depressed thoughts. Like, not, like... Oh, oh yeah, I, I forgot that. There's a, diff- there's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference. My bad, my bad, my bad. I've not been diagnosed well, with <laughs> Yeah, you're right, you're right. Depression is like a... But you were the one that told me what depressed felt like. You told me it was like but walking through But there's a difference snow. between a difference. being clinically depressed and yeah. like having depressed moods. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so what what would be um my advice? Yeah, some advice. What would be some advice that you would give to someone who wasn't like, you know, cuz I wasn't Muslim? Or yeah, or or any like practicing religion. What would be advice that you'd give them? Cuz like Oh, see a therapist, please, because you absolutely mm-hmm. need to. I mean, that's one thing that's helped me quite a bit because a lot of at least depression, it comes from just not having good self-worth or things that happened in your past or traumas that's happened to your past. That it's t- At least for me, this is what has happened, is that there are so many things I went through in my past that are so painful that I just brushed it aside. And now if you, like I'm a biology, like I studied bio, and mm-hmm. there's something called transgenerational trauma. And our bodies interact with things that happen to us and the way that we react to stress actually affects our bodies too and I can go on like this whole like methylation demethylation thing but I'm not going to but basically if we don't deal with stress the right way not only are we affected long term but our children are affected long term our grandchildren are affected long term and it's actually really scary so for me, actually, for the longest time, because I had issues of like, I didn't even think like I was worth being taken care of, honestly. And the only reason why I got help was because I'm thinking if I have children or if I have a grandchild, I don't want them to suffer this disease of anxiety and depression because I didn't choose to take care of myself. That's how I started off. Um, another thing is I would say make sure you're surrounded with a good group of friends that want the best for you and that you have that safe non-judgmental space to talk to them but remember your friends are not your therapist please that's a huge thing and another part is just practice mindfulness I think one thing and I'm I want to hear Richie's and your thoughts on on this is that I just feel like we live in a time where we're just so hyper connected we're always on our phones we're always on social media we're always interacting with people that we don't know how to be alone with our thoughts. It's very uncomfortable for us to be alone with our thoughts. And I think slowly getting into that, being comfortable with who you are and enjoying your own company, because right now I think most of us are strangers to ourselves. And that's where those depressive and anxious thoughts hit. But once you get to know yourself and truly like really love yourself and like, yeah, I'm great and actually mean that. I think that's where we can start shifting towards a more positive and a more healthy mindset. Yeah. I mean, I'll let Richie go first because I, I have a tangent about this. <laughs> yeah, no, I liked what you said about being alone with your own thoughts because, like, 
there's been times in my life where I can't fall asleep without drowning out everything with music or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then being a hyper-connected with social media is another thing is that you see, we talked about this on our social media episode, how you see everybody's life, you see how great it is, you see, you don't see their whole life, you only see the best parts. Yeah. Highlight reel. And yeah, you have to live up, to, like, if you watch a basketball player's highlight reel, like, you think, like, I don't know, Malik Beasley's, like, the best basketball player of all time, but he's not even close to that. I, mean, mm-hmm. I doubt anybody here knows who that is, but he's nope. he's on the Timberwolves. He's <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, if you see that, you can't live up to that. You can't live up to those highlights, and, but you have that expectation, too, because that's all you see. Yeah, like yeah. that toxic positivity. I hate that. One thing, there is a doctor. Um, he is the head of emotional intelligence at, oh my gosh, Stanford or Harvard? One of the two. Are you talking about like... Uh, Either one's good. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm probably thinking of like somebody, like one of my friends told me about like Robert Sapolsky. No, it's not him. So oh. his name is Mark. Oh my God, now I'm blanking on his last name. Okay, it'll come to me. He wrote a book. It's called Permission to Feel. And the issue right now I'm seeing is that people are not giving themselves permission to feel sad. It's like if I literally came, like if Amon came to me, he's like, hey, Nadia, how are you doing? And I just looked at him and I'm like, I'm feeling glum. He would probably look at me being like, what the hell? Like, why are you <laughs> telling me this right now? It's just because I feel like people are not comfortable talking about how they're actually feeling. Someone can just say, I'm good. I'm fine. And we're just like, okay, that's cool. Great. Move on. Um, and we don't even allow ourselves to let ourselves, like, understand, like, how am I feeling? We don't want to even label it or even feel the emotions that we are. And that's where a lot of just this depressive and anxious thoughts happen because our bodies and our brains need to feel those stuff because it's tell it's te- like our bodies are here to help us, provide for us. They're trying to tell you something. So for me, for examples, I had very severe anxiety and depression and I ignored it for a long time. And what my body decided to do, because I was being stupid and I was not listening to them, is I actually just collapsed in the middle of work and I had a concussion. And I got up and then I was seeing a neurologist and I was like, there has to be something wrong in the scan. There's something like get a CT scan or something, you know, Grey's Mm. Anatomy, whatever. (laughs) Anyways, um, and he looked at me. He's like, Nadia. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you have to deal with what's going on internally. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I also had a history of chronic migraines and he's saying you are feeling so much and you're not giving yourself, he didn't say this, but I'm going to include it, permission to feel that your body and your brain's like, you know what, this dummy's not listening, so we're going to make her collapse. So she'll actually listen and address this. Yeah, I'm. it's um, kind of crazy that we're talking about the permission to feel. Mm-hmm. Do you, so one day, like a couple weeks ago, I walked into the lab. I don't know if you were there yet, but I was like, mm-hmm. hey guys. I just realized something about myself that that I wasn't ready to admit to myself, and it's that I'm very emotional. Were, mm-hmm. were you there? No. No. Yeah, so that was something that's kind of cool that you brought up permission to feel because, like, for the longest time, I felt like uh, I, I am numb to a lot of things. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm numb to a lot of things because of the environment that I grew up in and, mm-hmm. and growing up in, like, you know, in a black community where, like, you don't know if your homeboy is going to be at school the next day because he might have yeah. got shot or something like that. And it, and it and it becomes so normal to you that, like, now, like, when I hear about that, like, it's getting – I'm becoming more sympathetic to it because I haven't been around it for the past two years. 
kind of Milwaukee is still kind of, but I don't know the people who died in Milwaukee. But like where I'm from, I, I like know these people. Right. And it's just like so growing up, it, it, I just became numb to it. Like I like if somebody died, I couldn't even cry for them. Like it'd be mm-hmm. somebody I knew shook their hand, hung out with them, and I couldn't even cry for them. Like one, wow. One, yeah. And it's just like wow. I still to this day I haven't haven't shed a tear for them. Not because I don't love them, just because like the feeling has become so numb that that it. That's w- painful. Yeah, and the thing about the permission to feel thing was like. Um, uh, one day I was sitting in my room and I, and it was just like a few things had happened and, and I was just like on like an emotional roller coaster just like sitting along with my thoughts because like I I for example I I probably I spoke about this on social media even though I have social media on my phone right now it's mostly because of this podcast I like hate social media. I, I really hate social media. I like TikTok, the funny thing. Swear to God, Amal, you picked the worst one you could, but whatever. Yeah, TikTok's yeah. one, man. Yeah, yeah. I like <laughs> Get well, out of here, Richie. Wait, I like my TikTok because my TikTok okay. is full of funny videos. Other people TikTok be full of like. Well, I got a bunch of cats, man. It's it's great. You like ca- Richie, we have to, I have to show you my cats later. Oh, man. But, it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, um, I, I hate social media with a passion. and. Mm. But it's because, like, I, I see what is done with people. Like, for example, like, social media, like, this is, like, an emotion that I, that I feel so heavy for. And, like, it, like this is one thing that allowed me to feel emotion is, like, I can cry. I can cry if I sit in, and think about, like, uh, people that I know in the neighborhood that I grew up in and how they just been led astray by social media. Hmm. For for example, like, all my family members will, will uh, buy an outfit that costs more than their rent and post a picture on Facebook trying to flex to people like they got money, hmm. but yet they're uh, broke. And, and and it's just like to see the ignorance of, of us as a whole people, like as as the people that I grew up with mm. in, in the black community as a whole, it just it kind of hurts my feeling. It kind of like hurts my heart to see that we at like the bottom and stuff like that. And when I try to tell somebody about it, they like claim I'm preaching and stuff like that. For example, like every time I like talking to a friend, like I was talking to one of my friends the other day, mm-hmm. And she like deals with depression, and I was like, "Hey, man!" And she like thought that she was like one of the only people to deal with. And I was just like, "Hey, just because somebody don't talk about it, don't mean that you're the only one." And she was like, "You sure you don't want to be a preacher?" And so just like something like that, it's just like cause you give off preacher vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Like, and, and that kind of like hurts me because it, it makes because where I'm from, like, if a young person say anything about a preacher, they're saying it in like kind of a bashful way. Like, like they're like, "Man, you scared? Go to church." Go with a preacher at like like we don't be around here with all that preaching and stuff like that. We ain't trying to hear all that or something like this. And it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah. But to like get into like how I started to feel emotion, that was basically it. Just like starting to feel for like I don't I don't even know what like started the cascade of me like recognizing that I am emotional. Because for the longest time I would have said, man, I ain't emotional. Um. Um, you know, toxic masculinity, but huh. it, and where I'm from, we would just say, "I'm hard." I ain't, I ain't worried about none of that. It's so, just like can I just say something on that? I think, and I kind of want to ask both of you because you're both men. Mm-hmm. I just feel like guys are just not expected to feel. You guys are just kind of expected to shove your emotions like down, bottle it up, and just not even address it. Like, if someone's st- like, if one of you two started crying right now, I mean, some guys be like, "Oh my god, he's I, I don't swear." Be like, like stop being a you know like it's such a common thing and i hate it it's like guys can cry it's a good thing like let it out but i just feel like society is like tough men are not supposed to cry real men aren't supposed to cry I, yeah i feel like society is shifting now though I it, saw, yeah it's I, getting better yeah but it's definitely like when we it's grew still up there yeah it's it's still, it's still there, there with like probably older generation but like the younger mm-hmm. well no I'm, I'm gonna actually say this 
I feel like real life and social media are two different things. Somebody might put something on social media that men aren't supposed to cry. Mm-hmm. But that same person will see a man who's crying and be like, ah, he's such a wimp. Yeah. Which kind of blows me. Like, I seen this post the other day on Facebook, right? And it was like, a guy will say some positive stuff, then log off and go rob somebody, right? Hmm. <laughs> like, he'll, if somebody was like, he'll make a positive post and then log off and go rob somebody. The life that people live on social media, what they actually live in, in real life. We, we, and I mention this all the time to people, but I know for a fact that I am a hypocrite because I, I, I try, I try to abide by what I say and stuff like that. And I understand, like, man, sometimes you might slip up or, or mm-hmm. like, I try not to cuss or, or something like that. But I often, like, slip up because it's, like, you know, it's so ingrained. Yeah, then we got to cut saying. it out of the show. <laughs> and then Richie got to hit the dump button and it delete to 10 seconds. It's just, yeah. So if you guys ever hear, like, a a sentence that don't make sense, more than likely I said something that That, that the Lord been. would be disappointed at him. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah, it's definitely like a parent in uh, I know February was last month, but it's definitely a parent in like black neighborhoods because I remember every time I've ever failed and and something like that. My mom always told me like get up and try it again or or boys ain't supposed to cry or, mm. or stuff oh, like that or why you why you crying and stuff like that. And I, I think there is some, I think there is some truth in in it because I'm not gonna completely say that boys are just supposed to you know cry and break down and stuff like that because i think that i think that uh not to be toxic but i think that men should this is very probably problematic but i do think that men should be just probably a tad bit less you know um sensitive than a woman because because i feel like uh what do you mean by sensitive when it comes to like persons like saying something and, and um, getting so offended by it that you break down and cry and try to, in today's modern term, cancel other people by it just because you're so offended. I think man should be like less sensitive. When why not both? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say why not both. What? Why not both men and women? But yeah, I'm, I'm saying. Let's say it. I mean, because I think that's just in terms of your emotional and yeah, emotional intelligence is like how in. Um, how well do you know your own emotions and how well do you deal with the emotions of other people? I think men and women should have the same, at least. Uh, well, At least for accountability-wise, yeah. I believe that. Well, I, I think less is uh, should be of both, but I'm saying if I had to compare the two, I think men should be less sensitive than women. I would say that just because men are probably more violent. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I would, I, I would also say that because men are more violent. I feel like if men were more sensitive, they'd be more prone to more violence. Is that the point you're getting to? Yeah, because I'd say like, if a man, like two guys getting a fight versus two girls, just like genetically, it's just gonna be a lot more like pain, a lot <laughs> more pain, yeah. more blood. Hey, and one yeah. girl might get up with less hair, but one guy might get up without a teeth teeth or god okay well, I, I won't get in a fight with either of you <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> i'd win just an fyi but anyways i believe it <laughs> man yeah but i think t- toxic masculinity is definitely still definitely a lot i mean i grew up in pittsburgh and of course we got the stillers and i grew up mm. Irish Catholic family and we're you know it's supposed to be a tough city when i hear about the guys that played in the steelers in the 70s you hear about jack lambert mean joe green Never cried nothing, the mm-hmm. tough as nails kind of guys, you know. Uh, I mean, his nickname was Mean Joe Green. <laughs> he was my favorite. He sounds pl- very nice. He's you actually know? a really nice guy. I but, believe it. Uh, but, I mean, my favorite player growing up had Mean in his name. Like, you're just supposed to be like that. Mm. And 
there's one episode of Modern Family that I love so much. <laughs> if you watch Modern Family, you probably know it's where Jay, the old the, the the grandpa, father, yeah. Yeah, yeah, is talking about his father. And they're in family therapy. And Jay's going like, yeah, you know, he told me, you know, I got scared, rub some dirt on it. He told me never to cry and all that. And then he talks about his father's funeral. He goes, yeah, no, I didn't cry. He's like, why are you? Why aren't you crying? He's like, because my dad told me not to, but he, he knew he loved me. He knew, right? And it was just like the most emotional thing. But it's like mm. on that toxic masculinity that his dad told him all this time, like not to cry, not to cry, not to let out your emotions. And even when his dad passed away, he didn't let out those emotions. So you got wondering, like, did his dad actually know you loved him? You know? It's uh, mm, so powerful. Yeah. That episode is one of my favorites. It's a hilarious show, but that episode is very yeah, powerful I, for me. I, I've watched Modern Family before. I think I think another uh, one that kind of goes along with that. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yes, of course. When his are you talking when, about that? So his dad. dad when his dad. Yeah. He's yeah, bro. And man, I'm telling you, boy, that episode just like like I'm, like when I think about it, you know, now I'm more emotional, guys. Yeah, I'm more emotional. But now mm. now I can I can feel it. Like I feel the chills yeah. that go through my body when I when I think about it. It's just like man. But you are. I feel like. The kids coming up now might it might not be as much, mm. but I feel like still when me and mom grew up to early two thousands two thousand tens you still had that you're a man you're not supposed to cry you're supposed to be tough you know what's some so in interesting it. is that at least in the Islamic perspective so our prophet Muhammad sallam he actually cried a lot and it was because of how empathetic he was I mean I'm gonna s- uh, share a story because here's the thing is that. I get very passionate about this because I notice this in the Muslim community that there's this same thing like toxic masculinity where it's like to be tough, you don't cry. You just like suck up your feelings. And I'm like, our prophet did not do that. When he was feeling sadness, he showed it. And I'm just trying to think of like one example. There's so many examples actually on here. I can give you one. What's up? I can give you Of one. my own prophet? Go, oh, go ahead. I mean, of one of your prophets. You sure, know, go ahead. My Lord and Savior, my boy Jesus, the shortest verse yes. in the Bible is Jesus wept. Mm. And, and Jesus wept because, you know, Lazarus had died. News had came about Lazarus. And even though in, in the scriptures, it's so, like we know that Jesus had the power to raise Lazarus from the dead, Jesus still wept. He was still like yeah. vulnerable and, and able to That's cry wonderful. about it. And it's just like, man. Like, even though, you know, it's just like, and when I read it, I'm just like, man, though I don't feel that empathetic or that sympathetic feeling just yet about mm-hmm. my friends and stuff that, that have passed away. But it's just like, man, to know that he cried about him, even though he ended up raising them from the graves, that's just like, ah, man, so crazy. There was one story I remember. And to me, this story actually stands out so much to me because I'm a woman. And it's typically... It's very tough because I don't want to put, like, our own dirty laundry out there for everyone. But just mm-hmm. the way women are treated in most communities, it's like we're not welcomed in our own spaces, which is very tough because that's not how it was in the beginning. Um, there was one incident with – so the prophet actually had multiple wives, which I know people have an issue with it, but we're not going <laughs> to talk about that right now. Um, so one of his wives – so it actually deals with the topic of menses and people like tend to get so grossed out by it it's like how dare a girl bleed so what actually mm-hmm. happened was one of his wife her name was um salima uh, may god be pleased with her she was actually just they were lying in bed together and she actually got her menses and she just got up and she just changed and then he asked her he's like did you get your menses 
And she said, yeah. And then he's like, okay. So he hugged her and he still lied back down. The reason why I'm mentioning this very specifically, why it stands out to me so much is because there's so many like wisdoms we can take from this. One, he like doesn't say like, oh, did you get that, you know, thing? He actually called it for what it is instead of being like, ew, that's gross. Two, like he still like comforted her, like saying like, no, I still want you here. And like, I still want to be with you. And I just think that is just such an like a powerful way to make her feel important in a in a moment where she might feel vulnerable and he um peace be upon him is just fighting the way that women are typically seen in that society i mean in meccan society the way the way arabs were i mean what we believe is that muhammad was sent to the arabs because they were uh, my Arab brothers this are not going to appreciate this, but they were the most backwards people at the time, and God sent them there because they're like, y'all need help. They were burying their daughters alive at that point. That's 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 so funny that you say that yeah. that the Arabs was. I'm sorry to cut you off. That yeah. the Arabs were most funny people, but the Pharisees when Jesus came was asking him, "Hey man, why you eat with drunkards and, yeah. and people like that?" He was like, "Do not the sick need a physician?" Yeah, and he was like, "I came to save the lost." Yeah. yeah yeah and i just think that story i was mentioning with it's like it just stands out to me because he's like literally fighting the way women are viewed and the way that men should behave to their wives Mm -hmm. all in that one simple incident and i'm like wow i think that's what stands out to me when it comes to emotional intelligence it's like i actually led a book club on this if you guys want a really good book to learn about the emotional and moral um intelligence of muhammad peace be upon him there's a book from Sheikh Mikhail Smith. It's called With the Heart and Mind. Such a powerful book. You don't need to be a Muslim to read it, by the way. You mm-hmm. could, I really think you can extract lessons from there on how to be a more emotionally and just a more emotionally available person and also apply morality to it because there are people who are emotionally intelligent, but they can use that to manipulate people, and that's where the morality side comes in. I, so yeah. um, I wanted to – I don't mean to get too personal, Hmm. But I, I I remember you saying that you were going through a midlife crisis because you. I go to through multiple midlife crises like five times a day, guys. <laughs> just <laughs> letting you know. You're 29, man. You're about to come up on that. Oh yes, unless I might die at 40, then I'm already here. But uh, <laughs> but uh, my question was, you you was talking about uh, about how you wanted to start a family. Mm. How do how would you how do Muslims go about? So you want to ask American? the controversial questions, huh? Yeah, because I remember talking to one of my friends. Um, she's Indian. Yeah, she's from North India. She's a light yeah. skin. Oh. So uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> don't know why that was relevant, but we, okay. We talked about this in an uh, earlier yeah. episode. Not 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 uh, not not Avi though. Another yeah. friend, and she was. Oh yeah, I've mentioned this. But her parents met through a newspaper ad, and they were. Uh, yeah, it's common practice. D- so Islamically, here's the thing. You need the consent of the man and the woman to get married. No woman or man can be married against their will. That is strictly forbidden. There's a difference between forced marriage and arranged marriage. Forced marriage is exactly what it sounds like. Someone's being married to someone against their will. And that's often what Muslims are being depicted as, which is not true. It's so, it is so bad. It's so frowned upon. No. Um, What we do believe is that marriages there's two things required from a marriage basically is that you have you have what's called a nikah which is the essentially you could just say the wedding essentially like it's like okay these people are man and wife they can do whatever they want they can be alone it's fine and then you have the wedding reception which is called the valima and that's like made known to public uh for everyone now the way a man and a woman we can't date 
obviously. Um, and when wait, I say wait, oh my bad, sorry. No, it's okay. So yeah, Muslims can't date. And what I mean by that is that we cannot be physical with each other. There's actually very strict rules on men and women being alone with each other. Because there's a saying, and it's like, if a man and woman are alone in the room, the third person there is Satan to like whisper evil thoughts in their minds to do things that God would not be pleased with. And we actually encourage marrying young because God also, he created us with desires and he knows his creation well. And that's why I said, get married young and do it so you can like get your physical um, relief essentially. But then some people can meet through like college campuses. Like if I met someone on college campus and he's a Muslim guy, I can go to my parents and be like, Hey, I know this person. And traditionally what would happen is my parents would reach out to his parents and like we would talk monitored. And if we like each other, then we get married. If we don't, then we just kind of move on. Then that's it. I mean, I know it's a very out there thing for, cause especially with how dating works yeah. nowadays where people are like, no, I just make my own decisions. But marriage is a very community based thing actually in our religion. And I actually think that's a good thing because that's protection for both. I think especially for the woman and also the husband. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. But I was going to say, how does that work if, like, w- so I know a lot of people that were, uh, like, uh, that le- lost their parents. Like, mm-hmm. one of my friends, yeah, lost his parents. Like, how, how would that work so if you met a guy that didn't have any parents? I just think it dep- it's very different case to case, and I'm not a sheikh or a scholar, so I'm mm-hmm. actually going to refrain from answering that because I don't have mm-hmm. the oh. right to actually answer that question. Oh. Yeah, you good. Wait, <laughs> so now I want to get a little bit more personal. Ah. Uh-huh. You can ask me one more personal thing, and then we can probably wrap up. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> so, last thing is, what are what are how how do you think you're gonna go about it? Do you think it's just gonna be like, um, like a guy, or is there like a dude? I don't know if there's like an app, like a Muslim dating app. There, there is. There's um, an app for everything. Yeah. There is an app for everything. <laughs> there, there's um, honestly, so right now I'm at a point where. Uh, marriage is on my mind but it's not my priority right now my priority is actually to take care of myself mentally and I think that should be for every person before they're going to get into a serious relationship is you should know your who, who you are first know your values and how valuable you are before you spend your life with someone else and right now I'm at that part how I go about it honestly if I find someone then my parents are going to get involved or whoever is or if it's through other means. I mean, yeah, there are apps. There are, they're literally called them Rishta aunties, which literally means like relationship, like what's it called? Matchmakers. <laughs> there are people like that and they make good money out of it, by the way. Um, really? If I have to go through that process, I will. But I'm not mentally there right now. Mm. No, Aman, I will not marry you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, worth the last shot. time we have, <laughs> before we end, we always like to ask, uh, final question how can we learn how can we get involved in the muslim community and Ooh. with mental health because we all talk about that yes so actually i'm part of an organization called ism core literally give them a follow at ism core you will see my face quite a bit there i wish they didn't post my face a lot but they do it's fine um, i'm actually the head of marketing over there which is a lot of fun and i swear the pictures that they posted was before I became head of marketing. They chose it, not me. Anyways, you can honestly just get involved through many things. You can come through our events. You can literally interact with Muslims. We're very friendly and we offer a lot of food. Um, Ramadan is actually coming up. So if you want to fast and 
I'm not going to say solidarity, but if you want to join with us in those festivities, you're more than welcome to come to the local masjid. Just talk to us. I mean, we're pretty chill for the most part. For, for the, the most part. part. <laughs> for the most part. Okay. You can be a little aggressive here and there <laughs> like me. It's fine. Um, and as far as mental health, there's um, actually this is so most of the mental health places I know, at least, is actually Muslim based. There's something called the Khalil Center, K-H-A-L-I-L and then center. Um, they do amazing work for mental health for people who can't afford it, and especially from Muslim communities. Give them a follow on Instagram as well. I actually have a really good friend who, um, she's actually my friend and my teacher. She actually is a therapist over there, and she helps a lot with, um, she does marriage counseling. There's a lot of amazing work over there. And there's so many things I can say about mental health. I think Read Permission to Feel, that's a great book because I think to have a healthier society, we need to take care of ourselves first. And I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Gotta take care of ourselves. Okay, well, thank you for coming on. That's all the time we have. We are off the next two weeks for spring break. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to wish my partner, Amon, a very happy 20th birthday. Yes, sir. <laughs> I can't believe I'm 20, though. This, this feels so weird. I didn't, I I'm going to be honest with you, y'all. Like, this is like probably a very depressing way to end a podcast. But I didn't think I'd live to see 20 years old. Oh, my God, Amon. <laughs> I'm like, y'all think I'm like, like laughing. I did not think I'd yeah. live to see 20 years. I thought my lights would have been shut out a while well. ago. But I got, I got 10 days till I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope you make it, Rich. <laughs> so Just, Amon, I'm saying after 23, everything is... I forgot how old I was today. Really? 23. I literally forgot. <laughs> I did that so much. We were in the airport in Ireland, and the one dude asked how old I am when he's looking at my passport. I'm like, I think I'm like 50. He's like, you're 60. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, sure. <laughs> that's all the time we have. I'm Richie Lyons. I'm Amon Edwards. Peace, y'all.